0: Today we're going to read from Colossians chapter 3, so if you want to find that, if your phone can work on the present level of capacity, um, Colossians chapter 3, starting from verse 22. Think about how applicable this is to you when we start with these words, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work it at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. How many slaves do we have in the room? You might be niggling each other, maybe at home, someone's like, yep. Um, but, you know, there's uh, you maybe your boss at work, you feel like, oh man, I'm their slave. Uh, or how many masters? Do we have here. Maybe you're cracking the whip on some of your employees. Um, yeah, the language we read here is a bit strange for our setting right now. So, uh, where's it all fit in? Where's uh, Paul writing to this church? Uh, what's he talking about? Well, in the time he's writing, roughly around that time, nearly up to a third of the Roman Empire were slaves. So you just think about how that changes the dynamic of who He's talking to, and of course, as people are starting to hear about the person of Jesus, the church, the gathering of God's people, was had slaves and masters. Slaves are even becoming leaders of the church. Yeah, you know, if you read the book of Philemon, there's a discussion around you know uh, who's really initiating, um, you know, God's work and, and the slave kind of scenario, slave and master scenario. There now, the The apostles, you know, they're just not, when they write the letters to the churches that they're speaking to, they're not just sort of doing a dear diary, I just want to update you on my latest experiences kind of thing. They're actually like writing either encouragements or instructions or corrections for the church, knowing what they're going through. So, Paul putting forward some of these words, uh, you know, it's actually words of empowerment to the slaves that they have a choice to make. Their masters, similarly, for those seen to have no power, the slaves, although slaves in the Roman Empire often were actually in quite prestigious jobs. It wasn't just, you know, go and clean the toilets every day. Some of them were actually more educated than their masters. They'd actually do all the administration and correspondence for them and they, they were much more educated. But... They did have a choice, these slaves, about how they did their work. So, this encouragement from Paul steps back to look at the beginning. You know, if we we kind of put this all in context, he's sort of speaking out of the whole biblical narrative, and we start at the point of Genesis where there's actually humanity is created to work, created to be a part of shaping the world. You know, God, we see him create something out of a void, out of nothing. And he gets uh, humanity involved and in actually uh, bring this about as well. Once everything is put in place, but then he says these words, Genesis 1:28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This idea, this word subdue, is uh, another word is dominion. It's not about exploiting creation, but harnessing, help shaping it to be all that God uh, wants it to be. And the challenge is that idea of participating alongside God to make this world uh, a great place to be living and and, uh, interrelating with God. You know, we know the reality that humans start to choose their own way. And we see in the point of the Tower of Babel, there's this moment where um, rather than creating and shaping alongside God, they start to want to create and shape things the way humanity wants it. They say these words, uh, people all coming together said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered all over the face of the earth. So, we don't want to make a name for ourselves. We want to look like impressive to the people around us. That's not God's intention. And he makes a promise to Abraham not uh, long after that, um, next chapter really, uh, that he's actually going to make a promise to Abraham. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I will make your name great. You don't have to worry about making your own name great instead of you know puffing up yourself and doing these fantastic things. I'm going to make things a whole bunch better. I'll make your name great. I'll bring blessing through you if you just work alongside me. The call is to work for the purposes of eternity because eternity is where we have the place of relationship with God, the eternal one. You know, any kind of temporary gains or losses are meant to be seen from this perspective. So, when Paul comes and writes to slaves and masters, he's able to write, uh, yeah, this is how you should go about your work. Do it not only when eyes are on you, kind of when you kind of make your name look good, but actually do it even in the hidden places. Do it well, not when your their eyes on you." but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Do you find that yourself? No matter what kind of work, what kind of thing you're doing through the week, is it just because you do it at a certain level when people are watching you? Or do we find ourselves doing it well? Oh, power? Okay, that's cool. Jordan, what's what's the opportunity here to get a mic? We'll pause for a moment. Thank you very much, Michael. Air conditioning, um, all of that. Should we turn it all off just to have the organic experience, uh, the authentic experience? All right, we'll just give it a little moment to get some adjustments. Thanks, slaves. No. <laughs> Not at all. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. You know, so this idea of working only when someone's eye is on you. Um, yeah, you know, when it's not on you, are you sort of passively, aggressively kind of resisting and doing as little as possible? And uh, you know, but here the encouragement to these people is: it's the Lord you serve. You have a choice. You have. An opportunity to kind of proclaim your allegiance to another in the way that you work. Yeah, it could be a little thing. Yeah, you know, I know in jobs that I've done. Yeah, you, know, you just don't bother to put things back. Uh, you don't. You do the minimum amount of cleaning. You're just seeing what you can get away with, and that's not the attitude that Paul is asking from these these slaves in this instance. But he goes on in verse 23 whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You know, the work is the Lord. You know, the word Lord means master. (laughs) You know, you're actually, uh, there is a master, your boss, but there is a true master in heaven that you're following. And what's the promise here? For a slave, do you think they're expecting an inheritance? They're not expecting an inheritance. And here it says, you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So how can Paul say all these things to people like slaves? I don't know if you've thought about the idea of calling, but when you become a Christian... You are called. Your calling is your whole life. God doesn't just call an aspect of it and just a little corner of your life. He, he calls us our whole life into serving him. And all God's people are called, not just a special few. Now, some get a very specific kind of clarity around what they're being called to do, but we are called Nevertheless. You are called to be a part of something bigger than living for your own purposes, than just building your own tower to make a name for yourself. If we just go back in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 12, just before some of those bits are written, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, he's chosen us. And Paul says in other places like Romans 1, you know, he was Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Yeah, you know, The calling isn't just for elite. I mean, you can say, yeah, Paul, of course, he was called. You know, he had an important job to do. Well, his important job was pretty much to put his life as a sacrifice on a regular basis and be beaten and being given a hard time and that kind of thing. What a special calling um, he received. And it was like, well, yeah, we don't want that one. Um, but yeah, he goes on to say that actually uh, in Romans 1, and you also are among the Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Further on in Romans 8, you might have heard these words before, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We all get called for a purpose. It's not a you have to, it's you get to. You get to be called for a purpose under God. And it's not a call that's based on how hard we work or on our merit, how good you pray or what sacrifice you make for him. You are called by sheer mercy. He's called us by name. He's called us according to his purpose. You're not called to come to a building like this or go to a life group or have your quiet time in the middle of the week, although those things can be really great and encouraging and they are powerful for our Christian walk. But you are called for his purposes. In light of this, it's an all-encompassing call. Maybe some of you today, even as you think about your work, you sometimes might think of it as a bit of a curse or you maybe just you hate it, you know, you have struggled with your co-workers, your boss and it sort of got you down? Well think about these words that Paul writes about working, doing our work for Christ no matter what circumstances, whether you're a slave or you're a master perhaps you're an accountant and uh, you're you're counting your numbers with care for Christ. Maybe you're a health worker and each person, each patient, patient gets your respect and care as if they were the only one you are serving. You are serving Jesus. Homemakers. Both parents, you know maybe there's different proportions of roles and what they do, but loving your children like you would love Jesus building foundations in them that would multiply the kingdom of God in their lives. You know, a computer programmer solving uh, problems that release others to do their work. Buildings or trades, you know, it's Jesus' house you're building. It's not just for that client, I'm doing it for him. A teacher, it's God's students you're educating. His creation. You're a volunteer, you're perhaps doing a very simple task through a very complex administration role. Do it for Jesus. You're a carer. See that person as you are caring for Jesus. It might be monotonous at times, and sometimes it is very unseen, but God sees it. Agriculture, you're feeding the world. Creatives, you've got a creative job and you are finding the delight in God's creation. You're studying, you're not just working endlessly, but you're doing the best you can unto Jesus. We've got a few vets uh, connected to their fellowship here, or vet nurses, and it's like you might imagine if Jesus had a pet and I was serving him doing that. How huge would it be if you saw your work as something you do to serve Jesus? To say yes to Jesus in every moment that you stepped into that. In the smallest actions, in the way that you relate to your colleagues, the way you honestly deal with your tax. Again, there's some ideas. Even just imagine each one of us, I don't know if you've you've picked up, but in our society, chaplains have been really uh, appreciated uh, across lots of different sectors Um, whether it's in sport or in schools, um, have a role alongside the police, and they're they're really gracious towards me in that. Imagine if each one of us were chaplains in our workplaces. I had uh, Elton, one of our elders, share with us the other day at our ministry leaders meeting. We were just talking about prayer, and he said he had an opportunity uh, to pray with one of his colleagues. Uh, his colleagues... uh, made the comment oh don't waste it on me you know that kind of prayer like use it for yourself and he came back a couple of days and like yeah you really should use it for yourself because it actually worked that prayer (laughs) Um, but that's a cool thing just an offer to pray alongside someone just it's not about hey now you're going to come to jesus and for the rest of your life that might be where the conversation goes but just loving them and what they're experiencing and offering to pray for them if you're at home, if your children are unwell, intercede for them. Place a hand on them and pray. A chaplain, no matter where you are. And we think about, uh, I had, had this quote, you going to see it up on the screen, and it really struck me during the week, and hopefully without seeing it, you can sort of take it on board. That's right, a guy called Pete Scazzera and he thinks a lot about this idea of resting and working and he says these words, God has given you all the time in the world to do what he wants you to do. I'll say it again. God has given you all the time in the world to do what he wants you to do. Think about that for a moment. Did Jesus leave anything undone? when he left this earth? Do you leave anything undone? It wasn't like, whoops, I wish I had a little bit more time. to. Do, I should have done that, and I should have done that, and I should have done that. No, actually, Jesus' model was actually to listen to his father and do what his father had instructed him to do next, making the most of every opportunity he had. We know Jesus was an example, someone to follow He didn't need a rerun of life to fit all the other stuff in. And we think we've got to just cram so many things in a life. We must achieve this and we must achieve that. But God has given us all the time in the world to do what he wants us to do. So does that mean we just wait there and there's like, what do I do next, God? And then we don't move until we hear an audible voice. No, that's not what I'm talking about. He's given us a mind to think. He's showed us a whole bunch of things about how the world works and we move into it, but we go with him asking. These two best things in my workplace. Where do you want me to go in this? Okay, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm going to go with this one. God, be with me as I work towards doing this work for your glory. What would your work situation be like if you actually went through some of your most technical challenges asking God which is the best thing to do here? What's the wisest thing to do here? It's not, it's not like he switched off and he would only answer you if you're asking him a biblical question, you know, how do I interpret the Bible? He actually wants to engage our everyday work, our everyday life. And so he's speaking to his people's hearts through his Holy Spirit. We can get really stressed out by all that needs to be done. But what is the next peaceful step? Maybe the next peaceful step would be, ah, I've just thought of someone might know the answer to this, and I'm going to ring them. And that thought might not have occurred to you before you ask God, who knows the next thing for this to happen? Try it this week. Take time to ask that question to God. We've talked about slaves and masters and uh, that's a very particular example that that Paul speaks to. But before that, back in Colossians 3.17, it says these words, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So he's broadening it. It's not just about work. It's not just about slaves and masters and the, the workplace you're in. It's basically saying everything in your life is actually spiritual. Calling is not about just the job you do. It's not into... When our life is not split into some sort of spiritual and secular kind of thing. All of life is spiritual. There's no on and off switch. And maybe we struggle with that. I know I have in the past. We might kind of think that just to be gathering here, this is our spiritual part of our week. But then as soon as we step out uh, to do something else this afternoon or tomorrow morning, we're kind of like, oh, that's my other life. That's when I kind of don't really think about the songs that we've sung or uh, some of the Bible that I've read before. It never comes up in our conversations or our thoughts. We kind of switch. But whatever you do, says Colossians 3.17, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now he's saying there is opportunity in every part of our day. Our calling is our whole life. We are all in full-time ministry, if you want to think about it that way. Now, that's not meant to be an exhausting, sort of an oppressive thing. That's actually an invitation So we can think of our calling as our job, or we can think of our calling as my place in life, whether I'm married, a slave, free, single, retired. That's not the calling. Or we think like calling is reserved for professional Christians. You know, like me standing up here, yes, I uh, receive um, a salary from the church. And so is it just people like me who have a calling? Well, Scripture would say otherwise. Calling is for all people who follow God. Their whole life. We talked to scripture a few weeks ago. My life is not my own. Maybe that's a scripture. I don't know if you've memorized scripture in more recent times, but it might be a scripture that you want to write down and think over and over again in this coming week. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through him. And that's not let's just baptise everything we do and call it God's work. We're actually doing it in a spirit of renewal, that actually we're inviting God to redeem our work, our attitude, our focus, our passions, our motives. You know, we're all part, at some level, of a wider family of people. You're part of a friendship network, you're part of a church, you're part of a neighbourhood. In each of these areas this verse could be applied. We're called to be salt and light. And here's a few little things that you might want to express to people this week in your word and your deeds. Doing it to the Lord Jesus. Giving someone a call. Texting them an encouragement. Opening a door for someone. Just a gesture of generosity. To them, offer them prayer. Smiling can be written. sometimes bit hard with the mask on. Classic quote in the opening ceremony on the uh, uh, Winter Olympics the other day: "They're saying you can see the joy on their faces," and you're like, "No, they've all got masks on. I can't tell. <laughs> their bodies were showing us." But it means something to smile at someone, to meet, them, to look them in the eye in our cultural setting. That is meaningful. The way we talk about people, that we're uplifting, not gossiping. That we're caring for the environment around us. That we obey the law. That we, you know, as we think about all these things, how will we honour God in our lives? How we invite him to help us do that by his spirit. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And it's an adventure to go on, to see what could that really look like, to see that open up for us. Two questions we often ask here at GBC is, what is God saying to you? Out of all the things that were said, All those scriptures we looked at in Colossians 3. What is God saying to you about your work setting? How you're responding to that kind of environment or uh, whichever area of your life that you've been mostly drawn to thinking about? Maybe you never knew you were called and this is part of who you are as a follower of Jesus. So what is he saying to you? And then what will your response be to him this week? Out of all those options... What's a practical thing that you could just put into place? I encourage you to do it as early as possible in the week because as we obey and we follow through on the things that God has spoken to us, he's like, right, you're keen. I'm going to show you some more things. What's the next thing I want to sort of open up in your life? So I want to finish with a bit of a prayer just to kind of commission each one of us, wherever we are, uh, to be people that are living under his purposes. Let's, let's pray together. Well, the year has begun, but in a sense there's uh, a whole new phase of beginning, just in the new uh, school term and all those kind of things. We want to kind of be commissioned before you again to dedicate our lives before you as people in word and deed seeking to honour you in all that we do, and not by our own strength or might. We invite you to bring that change, for us to be the conduit of your purposes in our life. You know how much time we've got on this earth and what you want us to do. And we want to be like Jesus, who are listening to your voice in our life, that we are obedient to your commands and we are stepping into it. But some of those things, we're, we're not sure what the big steps are, but we know we have in your word some really good small steps. Well, they might be big actually, but they sound small, but loving our neighbor as ourself. Lord, may that come alive freshly this week, knowing we are called for a purpose. And we come to you and we say yes to you. You want to bring that change in our life. Well, thank you for the times that we've known that to be true in our past. Remind us of those times and that might encourage us to keep going with it. Or maybe this is pretty fresh for us and you are to show us much more what you have for us. That we might bless the people around us. That in, in the work that we do do, whether it's in a... Um, a home setting, or uh, in paid work, unpaid volunteerism. That we would do things even behind the scenes that glorify you, knowing that you are watching, that you are seeing our heart, our motives, our attitudes. And we would love you through our work, our attitude. And that you would get the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.